Welcome to Scoundrels and Spaceports, a corner of the galaxy for your favorite hives of scum and villainy. I'm your host, Hanu Yoa. And I'm your host, Amanda Starling. Join us as we navigate through the maelstrom of the saga, but don't worry, we have a good feeling about this. So buckle up, baby. We're Scoundrels and Spaceports. Well, it's been a little bit since we've talked. Uh, we had some fun stuff going on last month, and so we didn't get a, an episode out like we wanted to. Um, but good stuff happened. Amanda, yes. go ahead and share what you did last month, because this is going to yes. take everyone's breath away. Oh, yeah. Um, so I I was a little bit preoccupied because I was definitely transported to a galaxy far, far away <laughs> aboard the Halcyon Star Cruiser. Um, that was probably two and a half of the most incredible days ever. I think that's wow. safe to say. Um, I bet. <laughs> I, I've joked with people. I'm like, I don't know how to explain all of this. And it's easier usually to have people ask me questions because otherwise they're just going like a crazy tangent of like babbling Star Wars. But <laughs> The best way I've been able to summarize it is like, you know how you go to like a theater or even a Broadway theater, right? And you go sit Mm -hmm. down in the audience and you watch a play happen, right? Right. It's like you go to first sit down, but instead somebody on stage that's in the middle performing comes and says, hey, come up here with us. And you get up on the stage and you're acting out everything with them at several points. And by the way, you can touch everything and eat everything and do everything with them. So you really just feel that level of like immersed in a part of the show. It was. So you LARPed for two and a half days. I LARPed for two and a half days <laughs> and I made some new fictional besties. Awesome. Um, which is wild. Um, and, you know, my one big flex of the trip is I got a shout out from one of the characters at the end. <laughs> so that was kind of cute. Hello, Sandra. Thank you. If you somehow miraculously are listening as an actor, thank you for the for the shout out. Um, because I helped write him a song. Um, oh. So it's all, it's amazing. You get to interact with so many different character paths and it's impossible to do them all in one trip, but it's, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. I'm trying to keep this spoiler free. If, if you <laughs> well, I tell. appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it might we'll be quite ma- a while until I get to go, but you know what? That's cool. Yeah. Maybe at some point we can do like a Q and a episode where I just unleash all the spoilers of this or something. <laughs> so just, just for the protection of those who aren't ready to hear about right. all the, all the gory details. Um, it's, it's incredible. Um, and I, I want already want to go back. It feels like <laughs> I should have a timeshare aboard the house in at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. I didn't do anything quite that fun, but I did have a really cool life-changing experience. I got a huge promotion. Um, I am yes. no longer a librarian. I am a library director. Um, I am now the director of uh, my own library. Um, and so it's been a life-changing experience. I had my first director's meeting yesterday and oh my gosh, I, it was it was like a a whole different world and I'm very excited to get started and and figure this all out myself um and uh thankfully it's not by myself I have a huge support system and these people are fantastic and uh we are we are fighting illiteracy and censorship every single day and and it's it's a fight that I'm very proud to be a part of and so um yeah, now I got to buy a ton of Star Wars books for my library. So. It's awesome. <laughs> You've been like um, 
first of all, congratulations. I'm so proud of you and all the awesome work you're going to do in this role. And no wonder that we had to take a break for the month because that's a big thing to step into. It was a big and that's thing. really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, also, I love that you've been texting me being like, hey, Amanda, send me a list of all the High Republic books. So I can order. <laughs> and like, no, like I need tell me all, all the books them. that I need to be all getting for my library. And I'm like, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have resources and one of them is Amanda. Um, <laughs> I did find out that there is a ton of star, that there are a ton of star Wars books on some of our digital collections. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to go through all of these and figure out what's where. And that's yes. awesome. So more accessibility. We love it. Yeah. Um, so speaking of all the things that are out there in the world of star Wars, whether it's accessing it or talking about it, we should probably introduce our guests for this episode, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So our guest today is a brilliant Star Wars lore expert and a real-life Master Yoda. Known across social media and YouTube as Element 7, you may may recognize his wise and friendly voice teaching folks all about things Star Wars. From the tenets of the Jedi Code to the events across the intergalactic timeline, he is a positive force for welcoming Star Wars fans to new and existing knowledge. Whether on his Element 7 channels, the Diet of the Force podcast with Dark Choco, or even just answering questions for fellow fans, please welcome our guest, Element 7 himself pep welcome (laughs) thank you for having me guys absolutely thank you for being on the show it's an absolute pleasure congratulations by the way you are now uh uh madam jacosta new yes yes (laughs) oh man amanda knows about my jacosta new rant but go ahead You know, it's it's funny because I'll I'll, I'll do this the short version for, okay. for Han. Please, Han yes. loves um, the idea that there are canon librarians in Star Wars, <laughs> but Joe Castanew is probably the least professional of them um, <laughs> because Joe Castanew does not offer much help in the way that a librarian should. Um, at least I'll let you fill film. in the gaps. Han. At least in the film, I was I was like, <laughs> no one just simply suggest that something doesn't exist if they can't find it that's the worst customer service ever but yeah part of, a part of me thinks that is part of the rapport between jacosta and obi-wan so. i think so. like <laughs> if a youngling from the crash came and asked for something she would help them yeah but obi-wan's like i'm looking for something yeah. and then jacosta's like if you can't find it it's not there which it's is like hilarious it's just hilarious because it always reminds me of one of my former coworkers who no longer works in the library field because she just didn't like to help certain people. And it always gave me those vibes. So anyway, that's my little, but thank you so much. I do love Jocasta. I love that there are canon librarians in Star Wars. Absolutely. <laughs> if anything, you'd probably be more of almost like an atris, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Probably. <laughs> <laughs> So, That's a deep cut. Yeah, exactly. Um, Had to go there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with Star Wars? Amanda and I talk a lot about how we came to um, to fall in love with uh, the saga and, and everything with it. Um, but we just like to get a little bit more in depth of how, how you fell in love with the saga and, and what, what makes you love it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I suppose my story starts similar to a lot of every person's story with star wars um um specifically for me my brother showed up to my room one night when i was like six um a little bit too late to be an initiate but still within that time frame mm-hmm. um he dropped the the vhs's on the table he's like we're gonna watch this 
And nice. uh, I watched The New Hope, and I was like, oh, nice, good guys, rescue the princess. And then, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Um, well, one of the first things in A New Hope that caught my eye was um, Obi-Wan saying that he had felt as if a million voices cried out mm. and were sudden and suddenly vanished. Um, that was like, what? Because mm-hmm. I was like really young. And then I watched Empire Strikes Back. Leia became a general. I was like, well, this is a little bit bigger than just like, you know, rescuing someone. Yeah. The story is deeper. Uh, and then Yoda <laughs> showed up. <laughs> And he was like, oh, and I was just like, what is this creature? Uh, so I fell in love with Yoda first. Right. And then after after watching the whole series, I became like super interested in the force and the, the lore behind this kind of monolith that surrounds everything in the universe. And that was my first experience with something that had kind of inspired me in terms of world building. And so, you know, a lot of people start with Tolkien. A lot of people start with the the classic fantasy novels. Yep. Um, Star Wars started me on on fantasy, and I was re- writing a lot of, you know, fantasy short stories in school b- based on those that universe. Um, and so, the original trilogy made me fall in love with building universes. And I'm I'm kind of like regretful that I had not gotten into D and D until critical role because that is just a wealth like a a wellspring of world building and i'm super excited that is actually kind of interesting because that's that's actually what what got me started on um reading and writing and world building is the star wars saga um I, i was a homeschooled kid in a very sheltered life and star wars was my first like real gateway to <laughs> world building and fantasy and reading and writing and everything like that you know other than curriculum stuff so uh that was really ex- that's that's cool it's very similar <laughs> it's it's kind of like i think it was also the framing too because yeah. because a lot of the old fantasy classics are centered around like the medieval you know trope of the knights and yeah kings and monarchs and stuff and this one was laser swords and wizards mm-hmm. it was kind of like this this jumble of concepts oh yeah but in a unique way and that's what kind of drew me in oh yeah other than like orson scott card and like isaac asmanoff you really didn't have these space epics like what star wars brought to the table so yeah for sure absolutely big fan of the foundation i'm waiting for oh, season yeah. two. Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> That's awesome. So how did you kind of begin to find yourself immersed in Star Wars lore? Like where did, and where did you go first? Cause there's so much of it. And I feel like once as a kid, you're kind of sucked into this world, you immediately want to know more. So how did you get into sinking yourself further into like all the storytelling and everything that goes into like Star Wars lore? At first, you know, as, as a young kid, all I could go off of were words from the movies um that you know they had released books uh for the movies and there were some books in the eu uh after return of the jedi that i did not have access to at my age but um i was i was like stuck in this bubble of interpreting obi-wan's words interpreting yoda's words and just kind of studying 
all kinds of different interpretations of what they could mean with those words. And I started there and uh, I don't remember when it happened, but star, but Lucasfilm started um, publishing uh, reference books and mm-hmm. source books. Oh yeah. And the first time I had laid my eyes on uh, a star Wars encyclopedia, I was like, this, why does this exist? But but it's also the greatest thing in the world because yes. all of the encyclopedias I've looked at is just oh boring world history and you know all of that stuff uh, boring to me I know there's a lot of people that that love world history but uh, <laughs> the an encyclopedia based on this universe was the first step into a larger world um, <laughs> where I could put like you know definitive. Uh, de- uh, definitive definitions, definitions <laughs> to certain concepts, certain terms, and more, more clearly, uh, c- come to a conclusion on some of my interpretations that I held in the past. And so as the, as the franchise grew with the prequels and more encyclopedias updated with, with the updated lore, um, it just became an ongoing thing that I would do where I would update my lexicon and I would just continue to kind of round out my understanding of the universe as a whole. And Star Wars is great with this because no, even like in the shows that aren't about Jedi or Sith, there is force lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and my favorite, my favorite in recent memory came from uh, Chirrut in, in Rogue One. Yep. It's not about Jedi or Sith, but he's like, you know the strongest hearts have the the strongest stars have the hearts of Kaiba, mm-hmm. and and I'm just like that line is so powerful you don't even know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah. a deep, deep cut to an old comedian. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, everything that they say about the Force and everything they say in terms of in universe has larger implications um, across the board, and I've always been interested in keeping up with that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Did you um, ever explore any of the um, journals that they wrote after the prequels? And they wrote like Darth Maul and Padme and Anakin. And then they went back and wrote Luke, Han and Leia. Unfortunately, I wasn't I wasn't too engrossed in the expanded universe um, back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had my my interest in the expanded universe was solely in the Old Republic. Okay. And uh, I did not. I, I did read the Jedi Path and the and the Sith uh, the Sith Code mm-hmm. books. Yeah. Yep. But um. But yeah, I didn't read those journals. I, I think. Oh, um, okay. uh, I I do want to now. Yeah. Uh, oh, they're good. To round out the mall experience. one is amazing. Yes. It's really good. They're all junior novels, so they're very very short, but they're interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was it was fun to find out that like. Even even kind of like retro retroactively going backwards, you can see that Vader got a lot of inspiration from Darth Malgus and like the whole motif with the mask and stuff. Oh, Even yeah. though it was physically needed, it was still kind of like, oh, there's the there's the the big picture right there. That was kind of cool. It's so, neat how there's that poetry throughout, honestly, whenever they write different oh, yeah. eras of Star Wars, like Old Republic, you can see the echoes of the original trilogy and how they're going to kind of bounce back and forth together. And the amazing part with the, even with the Old Republic, right, this was before we had like the concept of things like World Between Worlds and like that whole unlinear aspect of Star Wars and stuff. So to have those kind of things somehow tie back together, even back then, before they even had that stuff established in 
like what we call canon now and stuff is just mind-blowing absolutely what's the overarching story that star wars has that it all comes together in one big circular story yeah so we kind of touched on it already but um what is your favorite era of star wars um to consume as a fan versus like which era of star wars do you enjoy most for its lore or are they the same thing (laughs) i it's it's hard for me to to distinguish nowadays Mm -hmm. but my favorite era back then uh was the old republic and my favorite character was satil shan and i call her Mm -hmm the Luke Skywalker before Luke Skywalker, because she came from a very, you know, prestigious bloodline and everybody wanted her for it. And, uh, then the high Republic came out and I was like, this is very interesting because this is like the Canon version of like going back in time Mm -hmm. and everything I've read of the high Republic is just absolutely incredible. So, I, I mean, I guess one way to, to distinguish the two would be, I would be, I guess, Legends is Old Republic era and mm-hmm. Canon is High Republic era for sure. Awesome. I love that. High Republic has kind of taken over my life recently. I even just picked up two volumes this afternoon of like comics of that era and everything just because it's so rich with storytelling and I feel like it's starting to touch on, again, the mythicism as well as the original intent of the jedi and everything so it's it's just amazing and we also get those scoundrel characters too there's so much going on there um it's high republic is everything i was gonna say amanda is our resident (laughs) high republic expert i don't know about expert i'm behind on all my reading right now mega fan perhaps (laughs) the, the the great thing about the high republic is that it is recontextualizing a lot of the propaganda that we see from the prequels yes propaganda that has been successful even even in making fans that are supposed to be omniscient you know perspectives <laughs> in the <laughs> story believe it you know you know they'll they'll cite a lot of palpatine's words but then they'll uh, conveniently forget palpatine's glorification of the jedi order before the propaganda began oh the jedi are great protectors and they're they're guardians of the republic and then as soon as order 66 was nearing the corner it's like i wouldn't trust the jedi (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) this is this person is obviously saying what he needs to say and in the high republic we're getting more contextualization of not the non-attachment um rule and we're learning more about you know the measures that they took to counteract people who had brushes with the dark side. And so it is providing a a bigger picture around the Jedi order that isn't like, that isn't inundated with the circumstances of the clone wars and, and being pit pit against each other, so to speak um, with a a chancellor that was just manipulating everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You get to actually see the way the Jedi handle things. And I like that you touched on actually, whenever Jedi brush with the dark side, how they handle everything from whenever there's a little too much attachment going on in romance, we send them on missions and then that's it to kind of just remove that all the way down to um, high Republic and stuff. I think I've talked to you about this hand, so it's not really a spoiler, but like Elzar man's retreat and stuff that he went on and all these different things that they do to try to help people. They you're not just on the dark side and that's it we're done with you kind of situation it shows the real family values that are tucked within the jedi and the dogma is not as much um 
an issue in the High Republic era because this is the Jedi at the roots of who they really are. And there's so much more flexibility and breathing of the identity and what it can mean to be a Jedi. I love that it's subjective too. Um, Every Jedi can have their own connection to the force and they can pursue it how they want. There's not one way to be a Jedi. By the time we reach the um, Republic era that we see in the prequels, it's, it's so much shifted at that point. And I'm excited to find out more of how we ended up on that path throughout the high Republic as that story continues to unfold. Um, I know we've talked a lot just now about Jedi, of course, but are there any kind of like character archetypes or alignments that you gravitate to more pep? Like, you know, your, your rebels, resistance, Jedi, first order, even like the different syndicates of the crime world, all that. Um, not so much alignments, not so much archetypes. Oh, you can call them archetypes, but my favorite non-force user is Sabine. Um, and I kind of gravitate towards people who have you know, a very storied past with their family and have to come to terms with it. And Sabine's arc in Rebels um, just kind of resonated with me in terms of my history with my family and making mistakes and, you know, having a fallout and then reconciling with them. And um, it's just those types of characters, whether they be Jedi or Sith or, you know, Mandalorian or crime syndicates, it's those complex stories behind them that, that make them who they are. And that's what I gravitate towards. And I was not a fan of Boba Fett until book of Boba Fett. Um, They did such a good job. Yeah. And it's, you know, he had like six lines in in return of the Jedi or something. And I was like, why are people so such big fans? Of (laughs) course, of course it's, it's all valid, you know, when it comes to having a favorite, but for me, narratively, I didn't have any reason until Book of Boba Fett. So yeah. um, it, it's all about how their story is treated. And if it's something that resonates with me, then it, I gravitate towards it. I was telling Amanda, mine is Lone Wolf Found Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, too. It just tends to always be that. So, I mean, that is a that is like a a, a purveying thing or or something that that happens all across star wars oh yeah and i kind of i kind of kind of find it funny that found family is one of the harder concepts for for some people to accept Mm -hmm. in star wars which is odd (laughs) it's i think i do want to oh go ahead sorry i I do want to i wonder if i can if if i can like ambiguously talk about an instance that we were touching upon especially with amanda talking about non-attachment i wonder if it's spoiler e or ambiguous enough to talk about it because i because it was such an amazing example of the non-attachment rule and i wonder if i can talk about that go for it go for it yeah go for it yeah so i mean i will speak vaguely here but there's an instance where um there's an instance where a jedi has has feelings for someone Mm -hmm. and you know, they are contending with these feelings. They're contending with what they should do, what decision they can make. And Yoda is simply saying, follow your heart, do what needs to be done. And so the Jedi leaves the order and follows their heart. They live their life. They pursue that relationship. And, you know, one thing led to another. They find themselves back at the order. And Yoda is like, you left here, a Padawan. And you came back a, a night. And so a lot of people will mistake non-attachment as if like 
they're going to forbid, forbid you from doing anything or mm-hmm. you you don't have the freedom to pursue that stuff but this this person's knighting trial was practicing non-attachment being able to let go of the jedi order and follow what they what they wanted and live their life and eventually finding themselves back at the order and in this case um the jedi temple bombing arc with ahsoka makes mm-hmm. it recontextualizes that mm-hmm. because i believe what ahsoka did is the most jedi thing she could have done at the time let go of the order and leave and that's something that that anakin didn't uh understand he says i understand but mm. yeah does he does he really i Pep, I want to talk to you when we're not recording at some point to just dive into spoilers for all that stuff because I, yeah. I know I know the exact scene that you're describing, that whole section of a book, and I'm just like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not in your book club. <laughs> I invited you many times, Han. I'm working. And ironically, I don't get to read when I'm at work. <laughs> that is ironic. <laughs> it's very ironic. <laughs> I know, it's so strange. Oh man, um, you know, talking about lore can be so tricky um, because it's easy for some folks to come across as kind of like a know-it-all. Um, how how do you how would you recommend people go about sharing information while also being welcoming? And like, how do you balance sharing that knowledge while also keeping it inclusive to newer or like less knowledgeable fans? Because I can really see some people struggling with that. Well, I feel like I feel like the term know-it-all is uh is largely an incorrect term because right. n- no one ever knows it all. Um even if you are highly knowledgeable in a subject, you still don't know it all. Exactly. And I feel like even myself and Darth Chaco and other lore masters in the community um they're all still learning as well there are things they haven't read. Chaco Chaco isn't as up to date in the comics as I am and I am not you know, I haven't read as much legends as he has, mm-hmm. but we stay learning because they're still releasing books. They're still releasing comics and canons updated every day. If Absolutely. I can speak uh, exaggerating. Um, but you know, we kind of have to maintain this air that we're all still learning. And mm-hmm. if someone expresses interest in learning about something, then I'm there to help them. Um, the, the problem occurs when they think they know already (laughs) and they start correcting now i do not go out of my way to correct anyone unless uh unless i'm talking about a subject citing my sources in my video and someone corrects me i will engage in discourse Mm -hmm. um and i will and i will talk about what we disagree about Mm -hmm. but um when it comes to someone who is being um stubborn about knowing it all versus being able to be malleable in your understanding of things because a lot of the force lore is interpretation there are some aspects that are um concrete um but then as it states in the star wars book a lot of the force is still a mystery even after all these thousands of years and so there's never going to be a point where someone knows it all mm-hmm. and someone understands it all. And so I, I come at the angle of um, being someone who is learning along the way. Um, yeah. and, and I forgot to answer this additionally to that previous question, but 
that's another character that I enjoy too, or, or the, the young, younger characters and the Padawans, because yeah. they are, they are our biggest source of learning. Cause in the prequels, for the most part, we have masters yeah. and some knights and we don't really get to see them learning things. But, but this is why I love the high republics because a lot of them are Padawans. A lot of them are younglings and, you know, they are encountering things that we don't have context for in the in the the movies and they're showing us how they learn how they adapt and how they understand these lessons and those are my favorite stories well you're like learning along with them so yes. that it makes it yeah more bite-sized yeah i think that's the thing about about it is that star wars lore is so vast there's so much of it that is very intimidating and i always approach it like let's take it bite-sized pieces because we don't want you can easily overwhelm someone very very easily Mm -hmm. and so like let's talk about one specific thing do you have a question about we'll talk about it and then i can give you some resources and stuff if you want to read read it on your own if not i'll give you the cliff notes version and then you can you can either leave it at that or you know, keep studying. The The fact that I like to just in, impress upon people is that no matter how much lore, you know, you're still a fan and your, your enjoyment of Star Wars is still valid. And I think that they meet the opposite of that so often, especially as a fan that is not male. Uh, yeah. You do come across that a lot where you're instantly asked like 80 million you know, trivia questions. And even if you get them all right, you still don't know anything. So, right. you know, it's whenever somebody, especially non-male comes to me and asks me questions about Star Wars lore, I want to be as engaging and as welcoming as possible. So it's just a really important thing to me is just to be <laughs> engaging and welcoming. Cause you know, whether you started with the prequels, whether you started with the originals, or if you watch the Mandalorian and you're like, Hey, this Star Wars stuff is pretty cool. I want you to feel welcome and valid and everything. So, <laughs> and that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, you know, someone's start in Star Wars starts at different points. Yeah, they started with the the originals. Their hero is is Luke. They started with the prequels. Their hero is Anakin. Yep. The they started with the sequels. Their hero is Rey, and so they started with the Mandalorian. Their hero is Din and yeah. Grogu. And you know, at certain 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 starting points for different fans you never know how in-depth they are in terms of what they've consumed right and so that's why my content is mostly answering questions Mm -hmm. um i will never post a video responding to a statement Mm -hmm. and correct them Mm -hmm. um i will reply um in a text if it is something that is factually incorrect i'll i will reply like if someone says you know, Ray doesn't know how to pilot. And I'm just like, she does. She said, <laughs> yeah. so she um, that is that, I mean, that is a canon fact. She said, I'm a pilot. <laughs> so uh, that's the same thing that Anakin says same all my with- life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, when it comes to replying to comments and making yeah. a video on it, it is just answering questions. And mm-hmm. I answer them repeatedly. I've answered questions on the balance and the force and, you know, the Jedi order and all kinds of lore bits repeatedly because i know that i haven't reached everyone Mm -hmm. and there will be new star wars fans every day oh yeah especially with everything that is coming out everything we are looking forward to uh there are going to be new star wars fans all over the place and i've had you know unfortunately i've had the 
the experience of interacting with Star Wars fans in, in, in the legions, in the, in the Star Wars groups, um, where they have made some negative comments about sequel trilogy. And I've had to, you know, very lovingly, but firmly say, I don't tolerate that kind of talk here because new content in our fandom is what keeps our fandom alive. It's what keeps mm-hmm. it relevant. It's what keeps it in the things that we enjoy are going to continue on because there's new content and there's new fans. You look at some yeah. of the older, older fandoms that are now dead and, and it's because they haven't had any new content in years and their fans have become so unwelcoming that it just dies. And so it's so important for these new this new era of star Wars fans to be welcomed in, in this. And I always say that everyone experiences star Wars differently. And you sort of said the same thing. And that what brought me to star Wars is not the same thing that brought Amanda to star Wars. It's not the same thing that brought my husband to star Wars. It's not the same thing that brought you. So we all experience it differently. And to invalidate someone else's experience is just, it's not right. Well, <laughs> and- part of it too, is like, you know, everybody, with Star Wars being as enormous as it is now, there's yeah. Star Wars for everyone there. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't have, and not every piece of Star Wars has to be for you specifically. Mm-hmm. So like being somebody who can connect with the characters who are like non-men and like people of color and different identities and stuff. The fact that I have that now in Star Wars when I didn't have it 20 years ago yeah. and, to, and to the extensibility that I have now that's Star Wars that is, you know, it's not exclusive to me, but it's something that's finally made for me. And I can feel like I'm a part of this story at last. Right. And there is plenty of Star Wars that's for everyone. And that's targeting everything from our younglings to our much older and wiser um, fans and stuff. People who have different types of stories that they connect to the found family or the more traditional family. They all exist within Star Wars, all these different identities and types of stories and the ways that we can consume it. That's why we have comics, video games, TV shows, movies, you name it. We, we can all find our place in Star Wars. And I think it's just so important that we have the ability to access it. And then when people come to it, feel like they can be a part of that story too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite videos that I've made um, in the last couple of years was an Ahsoka profile from someone who's asking who is Ahsoka after watching the Mandalorian. And oh. I was like, Oh man, this is someone that got their introduction to Ahsoka from the Mandalorian and not the Clone Wars. Yeah. So like I was pumped. I was like, let's go. Let's let's tell them all about Ahsoka. <laughs> We're gonna fall in love with this character today. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> like because it's it can be daunting to be in a in a in a crowd of people of Star Wars fans watching the Mandalorian and then everyone's cheering for this character and you're yeah. like, Who who is she? Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! What <laughs> kind of fun to be that person though that like when they start to ask that questions kind of lean over and like well what do you want to know and then you can kind of start to tease out the details of like this is actually this really great character and it do you want to know the full story or do you want to just hear a tease that way you can go check it out and it's usually a little bit of both and you get to kind of be that person that you know tempts them into (laughs) the star wars fandom and Fortunately for me, it's pretty much always been a success of converting more fans, but you can kind of start to be like, oh, that this character has gone on this incredible journey or like this, they'll ask about places or ships or you name it. And we can kind of drop these beautiful hints of like, 
what it is that exists out there. Well, like uh, in, in, for example, when we were watching the, the season finale of the Mandalorian, Saul, my, my, my partner, husband did not know what a dark trooper was. And I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. What is it? And I'm like, no, you have no idea. So let me like watch all these YouTube videos. And I showed him like all the stuff and all the, like, it was great. It was so great to be like the one who introduced him to that. Cause I was so excited. So anyway. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of curious, Pep, with how much like Star Wars that you get to kind of consume as both a content creator and as like somebody who just loves, you know, the fandom and stuff. How do you find balance in like the love of the art being Star Wars and like kind of engaging with the many voices of the fandom, whether it's like the comment section, of course, um, social media, all of that. I know it's sometimes hard whenever you see positive it's not hard when you see the positive but like when the negative starts to come in and stuff like how do you kind of take care of yourself and your fandom through some of that you know it it's been years of tempering really at the end of the day um luminous beings are we right and so Mm -hmm. uh you kind of have to roll with the punches i I just um this quote from a k-drama uh, called Sound of Magic. I don't know if you guys watch uh, K-dramas. Yeah. Oh, I have a funny story about K-dramas, but I'll tell it later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it came from Sound of Magic where where they said, you know, a flower doesn't bloom in smooth uh, smooth asphalt. They bloom in bumpy dirt. And so yeah. I like to I like to describe this whole journey as um, someone who loves the art and has to deal with the fandom and all of its kind of intricacies, I'll say, for a nicer word. Uh, you just got to roll with the punches take the bumps because along the way you will bloom and nothing is going to be smooth. So I kind of, I kind of prioritize my passion for it because every time I consume something new and I, and I'm like, and I read something new or I watch a show and then something incredible happens. I then have to be like, I have to share this with everyone. Um, And Amanda when, and I, I usually get, text each other when that happens. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and if I get the negative comments, I just delete it. Honestly, yeah. like there, there's no point in if it's not a good faith argument. It's not something you can engage with, like a civil discourse mm-hmm. and kind of discuss things. Then I delete it immediately, um, and it's not something that I try to or want to um, spend mind share on. Yeah. You have to protect your light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I am often plagued by, and I always forget to forget it until it's too late. But anytime I type the words "The Last Jedi" on Twitter, I always have a deluge, and <laughs> the um, the block button is a powerful ally. Um, the way that the yeah. force is my ally, the block button is my ally. Sometimes <laughs> to protect my peace as a Star Wars fan, because it's like you want to be able to celebrate the things that you love, save what you love. You know, no, yeah. don't fight what you hate is mm-hmm. definitely a huge tenant for me and my fandom. And, you know, being able to preserve that is just so important, especially whenever you are somebody who talks about Star Wars or like is kind of it starting to step into that creator space. It's like, OK, I have to kind of protect my peace and my love of this thing because you don't want it to be tainted by the dark side, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's that's always been an ironic thing with with those types of you know, sentiments, those types of fans, it, it, you don't have to think about Ray all the time. If you don't <laughs> like the character, 
You right? don't have to go on to Ray cosplayers videos and post comments and hate on them. Mm-hmm. If you truly don't like something, think about something you do like. Yes. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. like certain vegetables. I just don't eat them. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you go to Whole Foods you know? and look at it like, and you're like, I hate you. <laughs> I don't want to see you again, but I'm looking at you for the next 20 Can minutes. Can you imagine? I mean, so many of us have avoid things like, you know, I'll just say, for example, like a Brussels sprout, right? I don't actively seek it out. I'm not going to mm-hmm. complain when I see a, bu- a Brussels sprout. It's just not for me. And how know? dare anyone else enjoy it? Because I, I know. How it. dare people how like How dare you enjoy it? Because <laughs> I hate it. But like, I think Amanda and I were talking yesterday about, um, you know, on kind of the flip side of something, you can still love something. And want it to be better. Yeah. Because I know we were talking about, you know, parts of the sequels that we didn't particularly enjoy, but we still love them. And it's it's just wishing that it had been done maybe a little better, but still enjoying the stuff that we love out of it. And it's okay to have criticism uh, or critique rather of something that you love, but you're not going to go out and, you know, bash somebody for loving it you know without those critiques it's just it doesn't speak to you the same way and it's all that exactly like what you said you're not gonna if you don't like something you don't have to spend your time on it just you know yeah yeah i mean it goes it goes with you know how the the discourse or rather the hate around the sequels yeah has made it difficult to be critical like a lot of these people are like oh we want this the we want star wars to be better we want them to you know um take criticism but like this is not the way to do it people people have valid criticisms and critiques of the sequels yeah but it is drowned out by all of the fire kathleen kennedy and Oh. oh the woke agenda all of those types of like um narratives that have nothing to yeah. do with critiquing the actual film no and so and it just drowns out the noise i as as fans who were you know younger when the prequels came out um we're familiar very familiar intimately familiar with the hate that surrounded the prequels and the resulting issues that came with that um you know unfortunately i've talked about it i've been very open and and um, you know about it I was one of the prequel bashers back in the day I did I did bash them um, now I have a, a new appreciation for them and you know we want to be transparent and say hey look I was wrong and it's it's important to show that you know if you are just bashing it because of the thing to do right now is bash the, the sequels you can see how that behavior with the prequels was so toxic to the point that the actors and people involved with the the movies were personally affected by this Mm -hmm. and you know it it gave me a a bit of self-reflection to to change the way i am and that's why i think i'm so passionate now about being anti you know bashing the the sequels is because i was that person and i look at the people who bash the the sequels and go just i want to shake them just be like stop stop (laughs) yeah my favorite thing to say to folks whenever and even myself sometimes is the whole from a certain point of view yeah whenever it comes to consumption of star wars right because it's like there are some things that are going to resonate deeper with me 
And maybe I have things that don't click in the same way that they do for other people, but guess what? Maybe I wasn't the target audience on that specific moment or that specific story or whatever. And that's okay. Because as long as somebody else is deriving joy from it and it isn't causing harm to someone, let's celebrate it. And even if it's not for me, I literally say, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I'll never come at somebody with something other than I'm glad you enjoyed that because as a victim of the prequels um, era, um, I say that as I point to my posters that I have from from that era. Um, you know, for me, I'm just so much of like, let's just celebrate the things that we love. And it, it's okay to talk about the things that didn't resonate with you, especially if it's coming from the lens of like, to me, if we're like critiquing cinema and storytelling structure and stuff like that. To me, that makes more sense because that's we're talking about as an art form. We're not talking about um, the way an actor looks or the way that um, a person involved is. At that point, it's just kind of like, what are we doing? We're we're hurting people. We're not actually talking about the the tenets of art. And that's, to me, way more important to talk about than whatever hateful garbage people come up with. But yeah. <laughs> unfortunately nowadays you can monetize the negativity you really uh, it's terrible yeah it's just ironic now though because some of the prequels since watching the clone wars and everything is are, are like some of my favorite films now like i absolutely adore them and i just people if you're being negative you can change that's all i'm gonna say like come on <laughs> it's not too I, late. i'm in living proof it's not too late you can turn around you can enjoy it um come, come back to the light if vader could be redeemed so can you. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. So what advice would you have for someone interested in becoming a content creator for Star Wars or or really any fandom they love? Do you have any advice for them to get started? Or is it just do it? Just get out there. <laughs> just do it. Uh, my, my overall advice would be to just do it. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of instances where people have asked me, and expressed their trepidation with becoming a content creator. Um, and I'll point to a specific example, you know, a, a friend of mine um, usually, you know, expresses uh, hesitance to post content because it's been posted before, it's been talked about before, mm-hmm. um, and they feel like their voice doesn't matter. And so my advice to them is always going to be your voice does matter because no matter how many times someone talks about the same subject, uh, there's a different perspective in the, in that voice. So I can talk about balance in the force. It's going to be different from Darth Chaco's balance in the force. It might, it might kind of align because of our understanding of the lore, but whenever we, whenever we coincidentally, uh, cover the same topic because we're diet and that happens more more often than not yeah um it's it's still worthwhile because it, it's our own unique voices on that subject you watch someone like shalo ren doing lore because you know she has a different perspective on the lore as well and so you want you it doesn't matter if it's been covered before if there's a video out there of the same topic your voice is unique to your own and you can add something unique to it as well so just do it. And yeah. I go back to the, the initial <laughs> advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really what we did. I, I 
reached out one afternoon. I was like, Hey man, do you want to do a podcast? Cause our fun, I'll give you the, the cliff notes version of how we met. My sister was having a birthday party at Dave and Buster's and we sat down <laughs> and she goes, Hey, I think you'll like my friend, Amanda. She likes star Wars too. And we looked at each other from across the table and we like gave each other this look like, do you, do you really? <laughs> And then we spent the rest of the night talking about Star Wars lore. And it was, I don't remember anything else except talking to Amanda about Star Wars. And so we That's hit it off. That's all that happened. That's we literally all that happened. We ditched the party and had a party <laughs> of our own talking about that. And it's wild because over that time period, we found that we have so many other fandoms in common too. And even have turned each other on to other fandoms. Yeah. Um. So it's just amazing whenever you're able to like just connect with people and talk about what you love because you find yourself in turn growing your community, yeah, if you will. And like sometimes, um, you know, getting other people excited about stuff. I can't tell you how many people that I've converted whenever they had like other, like kind of odd feelings about some piece of Star Wars. I'll be like, well, okay, first of all, that's okay. You can feel how you want to feel. But then I end up having that fun part of like, why don't you try watching it with me? <laughs> And it's funny enough because usually my goofy commentary that can sometimes come with it is enough to be like, oh, I get it now. Or they'll just be like, that was awesome. And, you know, just those moments of like connecting with people and finding out what you've got in common and growing that circle. Um, Han does have one of the top spots for Star Wars, though, for me, whenever it comes to that. I think Han's my dyad, truly, when it comes to Star Wars. Nice. Yeah, it's important to have that other half in the Star Wars <laughs> fandom. <laughs> I also think it's funny because she's very Rebels. I'm very uh, Imperial. And so we are completely opposites uh, when it comes to that. But I, when we first started out on, on making our podcast, we started with the understanding that we were making this for us. Yep. Mm-hmm. There might not be anybody else who ever listens to this, but we're making this because we want to talk about Star Wars and with the hopes that people who are minorities, people who are in the, you know, LGBTQIA plus communities, people who are non-men, you know, they, and even, even our, some of our listeners are, are men, you know, like they're welcome. They can hang. They're welcome. They can hang. They're cool. <laughs> Jeff, I'm talking specifically to you. Cause I know <laughs> you listen to this podcast and he texts me weekly. Hey, when's the next podcast going to come out? Um, but like we do make this for us and we hope that people who align with our same, you know, um, personality traits will hear it and be encouraged that, you know, you're not alone in this fandom. Um, you belong and we're just like you, we're just two nerds talking about star Wars, you know, uh, we, we, we love it just as much as you do. So you know, we just belong. decided to hit record one day. We did literally our, our, our message long, our message logs are way long. And we're just like, why don't we just at least record this? <laughs> we might as well. Yeah. And then it really helped with uh, COVID because, um, you know, both of us were kind of not really working like we were before my library was closed. Amanda was working from home and we're like, why not? I ordered a mic on Amazon and we got started. Like literally we, we just started. and so. That's why I say I really think just just do it. Just, just do, it. do it and do it. Uh, make sure you love it because exactly. you know, if you're talking about something you love, chances are someone else loves it. Yeah. You will have reached one other person. And you know, don't 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 think about it in terms of scale. If you've reached one person and one person feels great about themselves, then mm-hmm. mission accomplished. It was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's how we that's how Chaco and I started too, actually. Like mm-hmm. you know, he had started high ground and we had gotten like this whole dyad thing that um you know we had we had lived in the same area did not know each other um and we had a lot of the same feelings about interpretations of the force and just we would finish each other's sentences and that's how we were like dude we're we're a dyad and then we would and then we would normally just talk about the force on on like on discord and just hang out and then i was just like why don't we hit record and start chatting yeah. first? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had like probably what six, seven years worth of content practically of just yeah. us chatting at this point. Yeah. We're like, we might as well just start talking yep. with a and microphone. It, it was also kind of that thing, like we had such differing views on certain things because of the way we align that it was like, this will be interesting if we talked about this. Like we did Imperial <laughs> yeah. March one time and I just yep. gushed about all my favorite Imperial stuff. And then a man just like, okay, yeah, I guess that's kind of cool. <laughs> kind of like a, a Thane and Sienna. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh man. I think so, one, of the, one of my favorite things about do being a content creator now mm-hmm. is from when I started to now I either know more mm-hmm. book readers yeah or have um made more people read books yes um, because, I'm all for that yeah I mean <laughs> like when I when I started no one knew about lost stars no one knew about the canon books mm-hmm. and all of their questions I was answering from these books and then now like even when I'm not around to answer my comments, there are people from the community answering those questions like, yeah, you should read this book. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like if you guys were readers before and then just chose to like come out of the woodwork, props to you guys. But like, it's it's always so incredible to see how many people now are either reading books now or have read books and are out in the world. Yeah. And I would encourage people like, and honestly, I'm not just doing this because I'm a librarian, but we were talking one time on our podcast about how accessibility to certain books is a privilege. Like some people do not have accessibility to these books because of either financial situations or other things. So honestly, check with your local libraries, check with things like that. A lot of us are staying up to date. Um, We do look at these bestseller lists. We do look at these things. And when, when the high Republic is selling, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies, they show up on these lists and and librarians are paying attention. And if they don't have them, they almost always have item request forms and you can fill them out. And the library will see that they are selling all these copies and more than likely they'll buy them for you. So if you don't have accessibility to these books, which are amazing books, please check with your local library. You can get them free and then you can enjoy them as well. Yeah. And that's my plug. (laughs) I mean, also additional non-sponsored plug. I always recommend, you know, Libby to people. Oh, Um, I love Libby. Because there's so many old books that I didn't have access to and I don't have that, you know, I go back to and borrow every time from my local library um, just to kind of reread or kind of, you know, skim through for old material that I need to refresh my mind on. Oh, yeah. And that is just a wonderful app. And um, I think nowadays public libraries are giving out full on cards yep. and memberships online. You can get a digital reader membership online 
You don't even have to step foot in the library, which is nice for some people who either, again, accessibility or they just don't have a way to get there. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another app, if you want to check it out, is Hoopla. Hoopla is amazing. H-O-O-P-L-A. They have comics on there. So they've got tons of comics. If you want to read the comics, they've got those on there as well. So nice. another amazing app <laughs> if you want to read some <laughs> some comic, like the old Dark Horse comics, like that sort of stuff. It's really good. Star Wars is coming back to Heart and Dark Horse. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be good. With Claudia Gray, of all, Woo, of all yeah. authors. Yeah. That'll be good. So on the more candid side of things, is there a weird slash funny bit of Star Wars lore that is like your favorite thing to like just bring out at a party or like talking about things? Like we all know about the the Bithian jizz. That's <laughs> That's funny. Uh, just, but like is there another like weird silly thing like that that you're just like i love to talk about this um unfortunately i don't <gasps> think so i mean <laughs> i mean a, a lot of my like studying of the force mm-hmm. it is relatively serious in nature i mean okay. that, that that's why i love creators like shalo who did like this <laughs> this whole mathematical study on the 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 um the power of of Padme's hips in trying to <laughs> land on that on that creature. I think yep. it was the reek yep. from the top of the pillar. Uh-huh. And that is something interesting to talk about at parties. But I certainly don't <laughs> latch on to those things. Yeah. Um, that's why I surround myself with people who who, who love to do that. <laughs> valid. Stuff. That's valid. I know yeah. Amanda and I watch the holiday uh, special every year. Um, it's our christmas tradition yes um and we've we've been fortunate enough to be able to celebrate life day at batu east um before so that's always fun um but yeah totally a lot of goofy weird star wars lore that huh. is suddenly <laughs> canon I mean, again <laughs> it's not lore but a fun subject to talk about is all of the is all of the mistakes in the movies yes i mean the, I think this was a couple months ago. I made a video of you know Luke jumping down onto the trampoline, and you can see him pop back up before the frame uh, changes. Yeah, there were a lot of people who didn't know that, and they were like, "Why did you show this to me? This is <laughs> for the rest of my life." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, I thought everybody knew." Yeah. And so I made another video where like you know Chewie's running away. You can see his Asics underneath his his fur, and I was mm-hmm. just like. This is this is fun stuff. It's not like lore, but just kind of like yeah. hey, it's you'll Star miss Wars it. fun fact. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I guess that's more like what we were asking, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, my favorite one is the Force Kick in Return of the Jedi. There's <laughs> there's also just a kick of uh, there's also just a kick to no one. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Like he does the Force Kick, and then the next yeah. frame he kicks to the side, and no one's there. <laughs> you know, it's it's good. It's good. It's, it's good Star Wars. TV. It's Star Wars. <laughs> I don't need it, it explained. I'm just going to enjoy it. Exactly. <laughs> For that kind of stuff. It. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe not that moment, but do you have a moment in Star Wars that you would just love to be dropped into? Like if you, any era, any moment in any Star Wars, like where would you like to just like pop up and experience? Hmm. This is a tough question because <laughs> I would love to drop into the High Republic era. Just... Mm-hmm not during the great disaster. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like the second answer would be like the prequel era, just not during the clone war. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, I guess the safest answer for me would be 
when Yoda shows up to Luke on Octo, it's a it's a it's a very compelling lesson for for Luke, and it kind of rounds out the entire um, training from the very beginning, from Empire Strikes Back, and always to the horizon. He looked never in front of him, and then all the way to the Last Jedi, he says the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of Yoda conjuring the lightning. Um, and I, I just think that moment is the one of, if not the best teachable moment in Star Wars. Yeah. Two of them, you know, the greatest teacher failure is, and also they are what we, we are what they grow beyond. And that's, that's kind of like an eternal truth of the universe. You know, mm-hmm. you're, whoever yeah. came after you is always going to like surpass you mm-hmm. in one way or another, because that is how time flows. The the world's always going to get better, improve, and you know people are going to be surrounded by an environment that is better than what came before, and so they will they will surpass you in that regard. And I just love that moment. I would have loved to like pop up there and just kind of be like, hmm, mm, mm, right behind Yoda, mm-hmm. yes, just yes. like, yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I loved that scene so much that I actually have the greatest teacher failure is tattooed on my arm. So That's I agree. Awesome. I agree with you. <laughs> Also, who doesn't love Muppet Yoda? Come on. Yeah. He's my favorite. I don't like Puppet Yoda in the prequels. No. No, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> that was scary. We don't, we don't talk about him or Yaddle. That yeah. was a fix I did not mind whenever they went yeah. back and did no. another round of, yeah. uh, of tidying up. I'm like, thank you. That, that, yeah. that helps so much. <laughs> that was one of the things where, like, you know, you're supposed to shave off, you know, 20 years. Uh-huh. From an, a species, and you went there. <laughs> I think they added twenty instead. <laughs> I don't. I, it looked like a completely changed face. So I was just like, "Why don't you just remove a couple of gray hairs?" <laughs> I remember. I remember talking to um a, a, someone uh, once, and they they were talking about their their child watching Star Wars for the first time, and their favorite character in the prequels, because this you know pre sequels, um, their favorite character in the prequels was Yoda, and they loved Yoda so much. And then they watched um, Empire Strikes Back and they're like, Daddy, Yoda's real. Like, you know, the <laughs> difference between the CGI and the and, and the puppet, you know, they were they were more impressed with, you know, anyway. But yes, I do love a good puppet Yoda. So. All right. So Amanda and I asked each other this question when we first started this podcast. And so it is now your turn to answer which three characters would you invite with you to the cantina? And why? To the cantina. Yeah, just to have a drink, talk, listen to some jazz. <laughs> uh, this is going to be an entirely High Republic answer. Okay, go ahead. Let's do this. Valid. Uh, Elzar Man. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Sian um, <laughs> from Trail of Shadows and uh, Orla Jereni. That's a fun lineup. I feel like they would also know how to party too. If you decided like that was where the night was going too. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're not, they're not uh, strangers to bending the rules if need be Uh, one being a way seeker and the one and the other just kind of bending the rules (laughs) to his heart's content. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Sounds like a fun group. Definitely. (laughs) Um, 
What is something from Legends that you might want to see represented in the new Star Wars canon, the way that we've seen like Thrawn and like Dark Troopers kind of jump into canon now? I I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, particularly Chaco, but I I do think that Revan and Bastila uh, need a canon adaptation primarily yeah. to provide you know yeah. the framework for the dyad yes thank you yeah you know a lot of people say that they 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 kind of like you know shoehorned the dyad in just to explain their powers but it's it's always been part of the mythos this the force bonds mm-hmm. and revan and Bastila's were the closest to come to this kind of powerful bond where they could feel and hear each other's emotions and see each other's dreams uh and so Definitely needs to be adapted to fit into the Force lore, um, but I, I think their story is hugely important for the backbone of the Dyad, but also to kind of introduce people to the Old Republic era. Um, so they, they, they get the, the vote on this for sure. That would be so cool. That It's so funny that you mentioned Revan and Bastila because Knights of the Old Republic, I, you know, have, I've actually been obsessed with it since it came out. Like all this time late, later, I replayed it when it came out back out again on Switch. I just, that story is just so rich with so many force abilities that can be explored that we haven't touched yet. Um, the, the dyad for sure, definitely the foundation of that. And probably why I accepted the dyad between Kylo and Ray so easily. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, force bonds, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it was just so and, easy for me. Like this is beautiful and powerful storytelling, and also everything that comes in that kind of like package deal of Knights of the Old Republic, all of the accompanying lore that can go with it. Um, we talked about this during our Mando March episode, but like my obsession that I had, kind of like the big lore thing for growing up, was Mandalorians of the Knights of the Old yeah. Republic era, right? So I'm like, that's like a fun little package deal at that point if we got those stories. So, absolutely, I think. Uh, see the the importance of the word the word usage of Knights of the Old Republic remake versus remaster mm-hmm. is I'm hoping. And of course, a lot of people will disagree with me as well, is that this is a canon version and it's adapted and they change more than just the combat mechanics, but they adapt the story to fit into um, canon and we will have a canon Revan in Bastila. We already have a canon Revan in name, but um, story. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got my fingers crossed. Everybody will only hear audio, but I've got my fingers crossed right now. I'm I'm hoping that this is the will of the force and that we get to experience this because I think it's one of the most beautiful stories that have been told within the Star Wars universe. And to see that kind of come to life in this era would be pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's an easy way to canonize something that people are largely familiar with, with, you know, the KOTOR games. In the sense that, you know, it's it's action-packed. You have, you know, the combat and you have the story. And it's not necessarily a, a movie. Um, I would like a TV show of The Old Republic because I don't think you can cover that stuff in one movie or even a trilogy. Um, but if someone's playing the games, you know, just like Fallen Order, I think a lot of people will be at least to some degree more forgiving when they're in the shoes of a Revan or a Bastila at that yeah. point. I hope that in the remake, you there is two separate narratives 
and you can play as Bastila from her perspective. Oh, that would be so awesome. Yeah. I, I think that would be beautiful. Um, just because she was such a fascinating character as well. And I always wanted to step into her shoes as well. And it's like, yes, we had um, the options of kind of playing Revan from different kind of lens points, whether it be the entry of like Republican soldier versus scoundrel. Right. And then you also had the ability to choose um, at the time, because they did the gender binary of like male or female Revan and stuff to be able to have actually a whole other character entry points and be able to do the dyad in that way would be really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think her story would, tr- would start with, uh, you know, when, uh, when Malik uh, shoots on, shoots on Revan's ship and Vestal yes. is there to kind of arrest him and saves him. And that would be a great start to her kind of point of view in that game. I just want to I, play as her. <laughs> that would be so cool. Um, kind of, a, I know we, we asked kind of a little bit about like something from legends that you'd like to see represented in star Wars, but what about something that's happening like within what we know right now as canon of star Wars, anything cool that you would like to see kind of happen from a storytelling point? Um, it could literally be anything. <laughs> Um, I would, I would like for them to go, go to the old Republic, but I would also like for them to, to follow Ray and Finn after, after the battle of Exegol. I think that is a, you know, a story rich environment where it could go anywhere. It's away from the Skywalker saga. It is their story now. Um, and, and I'm writing a book on it called echoes of the past. That is like a, an audio drama. It's fully voice casted. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Oh, and, I can't wait for that. And it's uh well, I mean the first the first the prologue and the first three chapters are out on my YouTube channel. Okay. Um so you can check that out. Small little plug there. <laughs> uh, plug away. But, it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's it's a story that I was hugely interested in because, you know, when they were part of the Skywalker saga, the the conflict with which they have to contend with is largely from the ghosts of the past. Right. Um, and I wanted Ray and Finn to face their own ghosts of the past. That is not, that is unique to them. Uh, not unique to Luke or Anakin or those that came before. Um, and so the, the entire story that I'm writing is all about um, introducing the Mandalorians back into the mix. Um, yeah. So that's the story that I'm writing, but I would for sure love to to explore a story with Ray and Finn and their whole Skywalker order. I think that is uh that is story rich environment indeed. I agree. I, I grew up reading the um the new Jedi Apprentice series, um, you know, with Jason and Jaina and Anakin and Ben. And I loved those stories so much. And I could see where a story with Ray and Finn could be just as robust and as compelling as those stories were. The reason why I loved it is because it was part of a story that we had no idea anything about. And it was just this pure adventure and, and, and a new look at an order that had been pretty much lost up until that point and the rebirth of the Jedi order and everything. And, you know, they still experienced conflict, but it was just incredibly interesting. And so I would, I would agree. I think that one of the unfortunate 
things about those sequels was that they they didn't really follow that narrative where I would have really enjoyed to have seen that followed a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely an opportunity for them to improve on it. That's for sure. I would definitely consume that media (laughs) in any way, shape or form. (laughs) Yeah, definitely more Ray, definitely more Finn, please. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'd even plug some Poe in there, please, because Poe and Rose, they got to have their friends. Absolutely. You have to just. uh, They're all in Echoes of the Past. Yes. 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 Okay. Well, I know what I'm doing when we're done recording. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us, Pep. This has been awesome being able to talk to you. Um, Plug away now. Please tell everybody where they can keep up with you on the Internet and support you. Uh, well, thank you guys for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's always fun to talk to other Star Wars fans passionately too, because <laughs> whether you're new or old, there's always something that is like in a spark in your eye that shows you what they absolutely love. And when you can touch on that spark and, and talk about that thing that they love, um, it's, it's the whole day for you. you you've made your own day by making someone else's day. And I think that is something that people should strive for. Um, You guys can find me on TikTok underscore element seven underscore. I like to refer to it as the underscore gang because there's a lot of uh, creators now uh, now, uh, embracing that, including a good friend of mine, uh, underscore bedazzler underscore. (laughs) Um, Eventually we're going to make the underscore gang a thing, but (laughs) We'll see uh, where that goes. Um, and uh, I have my YouTube channel. Uh, it's just called Element 7. Or you can get to it, uh, 7thelement.net slash YouTube. Uh, and I am, same name on Twitter, underscore Element 7 underscore. If you want to engage with me um, civilly and in good faith, you can. Um, and if you are going to, I'm pretty sure anyone that's listening to this podcast isn't. Um, <laughs> one of those fans you better not be or we'll know (laughs) (laughs) if you engage with me in in negativity and in toxicity um that conversation is not gonna last um but there you go that's where you can find me awesome thank you so much yeah everybody please please go support pep yep and if you ever find yourself in the Tampa slash Orlando area and ever want to hit up Batu East Amanda and I are both pass holders and we would gladly Batu bound with you if you ever wanted to. We shall. Yes. I mean, I mean, uh, Chaco and I have a Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland to plan, and then for sure Galaxy's Edge in Disney World. Yes. So we'll definitely hit you guys up. That would be awesome. Love we that. would love that. This episode was produced by Hannah Uyoa and Amanda Starling. Follow us on social media at Scoundrels and Spaceports on Instagram and S underscore S podcast on Twitter. This episode's intro outro music was kindly provided by Closed on Sunday. All Lucasfilm property belongs to Lucasfilm. We're just geeks who adore it. Until next time, may the force be with you.